0: You <laughs> <He laughs> said not that
1: Downtown. <laughs> wild thing. Wow! Wild thing. Not one of my favorite songs. What, yeah, what, that song. There's only the. I guess there are some verses, aren't there? I don't know. <laughs> that, I only know the chorus. I feel like they just say "wild thing" over and over. Wild thing. <laughs> wild thing. <bang. laughs> it has like. It always makes drums. me think of um. Uh, what's the baseball movie? Uh, there's a lot of baseball movies. No, the one where Charlie Sheen plays, and that that's his like theme song when he comes that's out. That's his. Uh, it's um. Oh man. Is it about the field? <laughs> no, it's not Field of Dreams. I mean, there is that's a field. It's like the it's only a baseball real field. baseball movie I know. That people are screaming <laughs> like it, it at Money their Ball radio too. right now, or at their uh, at their computer. They're screaming the name of it. Well, I'm not a big Charlie Sheen fan, so I guess I. It's there the, the Cleveland Indians and they um, you know they're trying to lose on purpose. The movie is called Major League. Major League. Oh my gosh.
2: Down, I'm so ashamed of down, myself. Down, <laughs> down. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Tiger Blood. How's it going everybody? You're listening to the Command Zone. I'm your host Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, we're back as as usual. And better than ever. Yeah, better than ever. We are the wildest things that has ever hit the Commander circuit. I don't know if that... Why used. did we sing that song? I, I was humming something, and then I think and That you must thought, have, like, cued it off. Yeah, you yeah. thought that's what I was singing, but that was not what I was singing. Ugh.
1: <laughs> I don't like that song. You know what people are singing? Is the praises of Card Kingdom. That's a very good point. So, segue, man. Good segue. Thank you. Uh, once again, we're just going to go ahead, and you know Card Kingdom's our sponsor now. They've been great to the show. We've We get feedback every single day, Jimmy, mm-hmm. from... People who are trying Card Kingdom out because of our show and are really having positive experiences from it. We're going to read one from a long time listener, two actually, two long time Two, long-time two tweets from some of our lo- longest uh, listeners. Two people we've eaten dinner with. Two very cool people. So, Shivam Butt, Shivam Butt, actually, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, he tweeted, Addison said, So, Card Kingdom, I bought a bunch of lands uh, from them for my draft set, and one came back a bit scratched, as if Wolverine got to it. A bit scratched, by the way. That. <laughs> uh, so that sounds bad, but then uh, Shivam said, but I pinged them about it, and not even a day later, they have a replacement in the mail, on its way, on the house. Wow. That's so, amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, mistakes are going to happen in business. And you hope they don't happen very often. But when they do, how the company responds to that is a really big thing. And yeah. so the fact that Card Kingdom quickly resolves the situation and, you know, does it on their dime and makes sure that the customer is satisfied is a really big thing. Um, in fact, Eric Landis, who is another guy we had dinner with and another longtime listener. Pragy-bug. Uh Answered Shivam and said, I've occasionally
2: ordered from them since they sponsored limited resources, which was back in the day, A-plus service every time. Every time. Uh, and the fact that it was just a single land. It wasn't like a Gaia's cradle or something crazy. It was a land that, you know, maybe is five cents in value or whatever. But the I customer think it's p 3 P3K lands or something. Okay. She likes his likes his fancy lands. But
1: yes, you're right. It, it shouldn't be like, uh, it's just this little thing. And so I'll just, I won't worry about it or they mm-hmm. won't worry about it. Like, you know, you expect your cards in a certain condition, you expect them to arrive in a certain time. And Card Kingdom makes sure that those things happen. And if you're not satisfied,
2: they make sure that you are. Yeah, so that's great service. Um, thank you again, guys, for tweeting at us when you have praise for Card Kingdom, because it makes us, it makes me really happy at least, being like, sweet, we chose a great sponsor. These guys are great. Obviously, they've proven themselves time and time again with everyone else that's sending in comments to the show. Yeah, we don't want to have a sponsor that we can't actually uh, recommend and
1: stand behind. Make sure that mm-hmm. when you order cards, you go to cardkingdom.com and use the affiliate link slash command zone and you'll be supporting the podcast. That's actually the best way possible for you to support the cast.
2: Yep, and they'll know that we sent you there. Um, second thing up in our upkeep step, uh, a while back we were talking about a Reservoir Dogs EDH deck, and I was trying to think, like, what what would the card be for the ear that gets chopped oh, off halfway Oh, we asked the through? listeners that. Yeah, yeah, and so we had two people that uh, delivered what I think is the correct answer now. John Penisi on email and Neil Gwenter said, "Krovakin fetish. Uh, it's this... Disgusting this is, card, it's messed up. yeah. Two in the black. It's all the way back from um, I think Unlimited or Ice Age is the last time it was printed. It's uh, two in the black enchantment. It says when Krovocon Fetish enters the battlefield, draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So it's a cantrip, and then the enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for a three man enchant aura. Pretty bad. But the
1: reason that it's the Reservoir Dogs is the picture. Yeah, it is a necklace
2: that's um, holding a couple of eyeballs, and two ears. Yeah, and the flavor text, some Krovakans find strength in the ears and eyes of their victims and wear such fetishes into battle. And I would argue that the person that cuts off the ear, spoiler alert, in Reservoir Dogs definitely has quite a fetish. Michael Madsen? Yeah, I love that. Uh, All right. That's
1: the song we should have sang. <laughs> it's just oh. not right. We've already sang that on the song because we can't do it again. Or on, yeah. the, on the cast, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we get into our main topic today, which is building... On a budget, we're going to talk about budget cards and how you build budget. Um, iTunes reviews. Guys, what's up? What happened? What happened? We gave away free packs to someone for iTunes we reviews. We asked. For iTunes reviews, we didn't get very many. I'm a little bit upset. I Tilted. know we can we can do better than this. There's like 20,000 people listening to this show or, or something. And um, even if you watch it on iTunes, we can do more than like three reviews. Come on. Yeah. iTunes. Open up your iTunes. Just search for Command Zone, and there's a ratings review tab. You just click there. Take less than two minutes just to say something nice. And you might win prizes. So it's not even just, like, only to support us. It's also
2: for your own, like, lucky, maybe future self. I mean, the fact that we are saying that you might win prizes, you could reasonably expect that relatively soon, and we're not talking Deck Doctor soon, you're going to maybe win a prize for leaving a nice I don't want review. Deck Doctor soon to be a thing. Do we have to make that a thing? Hashtag Deck Doctor soon. <laughs> <laughs> Got there. <laughs> Yeah, leave an iTunes review. It super simple. Um, all right. So our main topic today is something that I was reading our show description, Josh, and it said focused uh, the command zone, focused on all aspects of gameplay and strategy from table politics, budget builds to deck building and more. And I realized we've never talked. We've okay, we've only talked about budget builds once on the show, and that was when Andy Holborn came on uh, and talked about his Xenogod deck, which was a budget deck. But we didn't really talk about what it means to be a budget deck. So. We're finally getting around to a promise in our show description that we made a very long time ago. Yeah, it's funny because I don't, I haven't read that show description in literal years. And when I saw uh, it, I was like, yeah, you're right. We did promise that <laughs> and we have not fulfilled that promise. So here we go. It's also something that people constantly ask us about. They're always like, hey, have you thought about Popper uh, EDH, which is only commons? And obviously budget uh, comes into, you know, it's a... It's a it's something that every single player has to deal with. So today's episode is an overview about how to build with a budget and how to avoid some also common pitfalls that I think a lot of people run into. So, yeah, this is interesting. I'm not great at this myself. So no, me neither. Actually, I I could probably learn. Well, when we played EDH last night, I was like taking apart one of Craig's Infect decks and being like, Craig, what about this is budget? Like, let me find out really how, you know, and I started writing down some cards, taking pictures and stuff just to sort of get like a, a little crash course before I finalized the outline. So it helped out a little bit. All, right. Um, all well, right, So yeah, in fact, definitely yeah, budget. Definitely budget. The first question is, why budget? Uh, so there are multiple reasons why someone might want to or need to build on the budget. The first is you have a set allowance, so you can't go past a certain dollar amount. Uh, for some people, this is a literal allowance mm-hmm. um, if you're still you know, in middle, high school, uh, wherever, however long you get allowance till. I don't know when that stops. I guess parents are always kind of giving you allowance <laughs> to some degree. Um, so you have a literal, like, I only have... $100. I only have 50 bucks. I, I only can't got 10 spend, bucks. I only got 10 bucks. I can't yeah. spend more than that. Um, Man, your allowance was good. Mine was not that much. Bu- I got 20 bucks a month. That was my allowance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so $5, five bucks a week. A week. Yeah. That's about what I got. Five, I had not mow the lawn. Ooh. yeah, If nice. I didn't mow the lawn, I didn't get the allowance. I washed my dad's car a bunch. Nice. Um, so that's, that's a reason to have a budget. Another reason, it's your first deck. It's something that you're looking at and being like, hey, I want to build a bunch of decks in the future. I want to build multiple decks. And so I don't want to just waste all my money on one deck. Uh, I'd rather have it split up over multiple decks. Um, I really like
1: this one. You know, it reminds me of, like, there's this truism about, like, online gaming, right? Which is, like, whatever character you buy the first skin for, you'll never play that character again. (laughs) And it feels the same way, and this is a really smart thing, which is, like, early on, if you're just getting into Commander and the format, Mm -hmm. the first deck you build, don't invest a ton of money into it because you don't know enough about the format to know what it is that you're going to like about it or that's really going to call to you. And so it's better to just have a deck... That's fun but not expensive so that you don't when you inevitably abandon it or, or, or switch to something else, it's not like, oh my gosh, I spent so much money on that. Yeah, I'm what am I gonna
2: it. do with all these cards now that yeah. are specific to this commander? Um another reason you'd have a budget is you're experimenting and again, same sort of idea. You don't want to invest heavily into an idea or like a hmm, I wonder if this is gonna work. So you build it, you sort of buy the pieces and you're like, Oh, it it doesn't work. i have definitely i have like two decks that are sitting somewhere where i'm like i either have to fix them or take them apart because they're bad yeah yeah they just didn't stand up to the the they didn't work how i wanted to i built a masarek deck oh yeah i think it still works in a very underpowered situation
1: it's yeah i I, I, that's and that's why i've kept it around because i think like okay if certain play group or people or there's newer players then maybe i'll bring it Mm -hmm. and i I at least have that deck but it's i don't know that deck's bad (laughs) And it's just sitting there, and there's expensive
2: cards in there, you know? There's, like, grave packs and doubling seasons Mm -hmm. and stuff. I feel the same way about a lot of my decks, too. Another just main reason to budget is that it is, in general, a smart thing to do. Budgeting is something that they don't teach you in high school or college about life in general. Uh, And it's a very important thing to just both instill in your normal life and also to transfer over to Magic the Gathering. So, for instance, if you want to play for, I don't know, you pick up Magic, you're like, hey, I want to play this next year. It's like, hey... Don't waste all your money right now. Don't spend so much money that you get burnt out. Uh, So you're trying to continue your hobby over time. It's like if you wanted to go fishing and you're like, oh, okay, it's going to cost X amount of dollars to buy gas for the boat each time. I'm just going to go on one big boating trip and waste all the gas money up front. You're not going to go fishing again. And every time you go fishing after the first time, it's going to probably be better
1: this is great i never would have
2: used a fishing analogy but my friend had a so my friend actually happened to a friend of yours no no it didn't happen to a friend of mine but i didn't realize fishing because at first i was like fishing Um, it's a it's a budget thing you just buy a a, a stick and some lures and throw it in the water yeah (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know much about fishing uh and then my friend was like oh yeah my dad you know for his like he retired he got a boat he went tuna fishing and it and i was like oh cool the boat's huge that's so cool you guys catch big fish She's like yeah yeah and it's like oh yeah and it's about like seven thousand dollars to just get the gas each time and i my jaw hit the floor that's a hell of a boat Yeah, it's a big boat way. uh so i i just completely forgot about all the sort of hidden costs that go into hobbies um so that's another reason that you need to be budgeting um so you want to set yourself up for success obviously uh and also you can spend according to your priorities. So you're like, I have a budget for magic, and I have a budget for groceries every month, and I have a budget for entertainment and like movies and stuff I'm going to go out to see so that you don't you know, waste too much money on one thing, don't have enough for the other. So budgeting in general is a good thing to do. Um, and it, it also reduces stress and anxiety and all that stuff. So. I mean,
1: when you're disciplined, discipline takes out stress out of a lot of the things because you know that you have a core philosophy about stuff. So you, it takes out some of those decision makings, it's um yeah, it just makes life easier. Yeah. So that those are all good things. I'm not good at any of the stuff that you said. Really? Yeah. So budgeting. Um I guess I'm not very good at it. In life either. I'm okay at it, but in math,
2: I'm not good at it. In <laughs> like for my hobbies, I'm not that great at it. Yeah. All right. So uh a couple of small notes. Let's talk about playing cheap decks real fast. So playing a cheap deck sucks when you feel like you're trying to outrace cards like Gaia's Cradle, Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale. Um, you feel like your deck's power level just sucks because you didn't put enough money into it. And you feel like you can't do what other decks are doing because of money. Well, that does suck. That's a, that's a crappy feeling. Um, yeah. Playing a cheap deck rocks when you're killing people in unconventional ways. You're, like, using politics and other, like, dynamics to win a game. And especially when your very cheap cards destroy their expensive ones.
1: Yeah, when you stone rain somebody's guy's cradle, oh, that's great. Yeah, great feeling. Um, it just feels good when your deck is, yeah, it's built out of a bunch of cards that maybe aren't the top tier cards and mm-hmm. you're able to compete.
2: Feels good, man. Okay. Let's walk through the basics, friends, of building a deck and how can direct viewers at home you actually can see the dynamic nature of getting rid of old pages of copy. We're done with that page. (laughs) so let's walk through the beginnings of building a deck and how it can directly affect your budget first off how much money do you have that's a good question to ask um so let's say you have 99 cards in the deck actually let's not say that's that's how many cards you have in the deck plus your commander um 36 to 30 of them are going to be lands so you divide your budget your total money that you have and you divide it by like 63 or 64 and that's going to give you like the base average of how much you can spend Um, on average per card doesn't mean you need to spend that on each card. Like some cards can be a dollar. Another card can be five cents. Right. And it makes it so that, yeah,
1: the expensive cards especially are going to weight you so much towards like, well, if I want this card and it's, you know, $15 and -hmm. my whole budget for the whole deck is $30. Do I really
2: want to like only have half my money spent on one card? Yeah. Probably you don't. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be a cheaper and better alternative. We'll talk about that later. Um, Colors. Sorry, Josh, maybe this is why you're bad at budget. Yeah. The more colors you play, the more expensive your deck's going to be. By far. Every single color you add adds a literal thousands of cards into your pool that you can now put in your deck to make it better or just have more options for. And so by sheer virtue of that, you're go- your deck's going to get more expensive, not to mention the mana base as well. Is I mean, the
1: power. single most expensive part of Magic Geek is the mana base. I mean, look at, like, Legacy. What's the big mm-hmm. gateway or barrier to entry? It's dual lands. Um, fetch lands in modern. Just building your mana base is... Because all the lands we want to use are the same lands that they want to use in the other formats. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but it's a really big thing. So a monocolored deck that's basically going to play, you know, of its 37 lands, 33 or 34 of them are going to be basics. That means you have 33% of your deck costs a nickel each. Oof. Or nothing, really, because everybody's got lands. But all of a sudden, you go to... Three colors, and now you're only going to run, you know, maybe 15 basics total, that means you just got to pay for more cards. Mm -hmm. So instead of, like, 63 cards, you're actually paying for 85 cards or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I can see how, like, keeping yourself to one or two colors is going to make your deck just... 30%
2: cheaper or so, because you're just not paying for some of those cards. Especially if it's like your first deck that you're making, like doing a five color deck off the bat when you've never built a five color mana base, you don't know what to fetch for when you do end up fetching for stuff. It's just, you're not going to have as good of a time than something that's more linear and focused. Um, And so strategies, that's actually a really easy way to decide um, how am I going to make my deck more budget? And one of the very easiest ways is just choosing a strategy that benefits not having an expensive deck. So in fact, has to be by far the cheapest of cheap decks. This deck is all about creatures that have historically not seen that much play in competitive magic and and are in general just kind of underpowered because you're trying to do 10 infect damage to someone. Um, they are benefited by equipment that are just sort of like Voltron-y uh, equipment. And for the most part, they're small, cheap creatures. Combat tricks. Combat tricks, yeah. not they're, expensive cards generally. Yeah. And because it's such a specific tactic, it hasn't seen play in standard because it needs to consistently be in standard in order to be a viable tactic. And there's only one Infect deck in modern as well. Um, and most
1: of those modern cards are like two CMC or three CMC and less yeah. for the Inspec- Infect specifically. But there's a whole bunch of Infect cards that are from the four CMC or more. And
2: those are just not playable and modern and stuff. So those cards are all cheap for you, but we can play them just fine. Yeah, not to mention like Noble Hierarch is one of the most expensive cards in the Infect deck. And that card doesn't even say Infect on it. (laughs) And we don't need it in Commander. You don't have to have that card. Yeah, sure. so, and it's very hard to play that card, It's too. not that it's bad. I'm just saying you don't have to have it. You have yeah. to be in banter five color, essentially. Yeah. Or potentially four color coming soon. Oh, boy. Uh, token decks also are very cheap. I learned a lot of this from Craig, by the way, because he's the original guy that was like, hey, I have 36 commander decks. And it's like, how is that possible? It's like, well, 10 of them are infect, three of them are token. Four <laughs> well, he th- has a lot of cards, but yeah,
1: yeah. He knows he's got a couple expensive decks, but not all 36 can be, you know seven hundred dollar decks or two thousand dollar decks some yeah of them, exactly when you have that many some of them are fifty dollar decks yeah voltron
2: yeah. is also a pretty cheap deck in general uh because a lot of the the key equipment are they're so big and bulky that it's hard to like make them really expensive um, i mean a lot of people
1: right now are probably at home or in their car or whatever going yeah but the sword ofs are expensive mm-hmm. but you don't have to have those cards you know i think people get under this misconception that like if i don't have Sword of fire and whatever then the deck's no good and it's like Listen, there are a lot of equipment that are eighty-five or ninety percent as good as sort of Winter or whatever, and yeah. they cost—they don't cost eighty percent as much. They cost ten percent as much or or five percent as much, and so you can really be like, it's one card in on my deck. If it's ninety percent
2: as good as sort of fire and ice, that's fine, or or seventy percent as good, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you can just make up those effects, not make them up, but like get those effects back from other cards as well. It may take you two cards to get the full effect of what sort of War and Peace does or Feast and Famine, for instance, like the untap effect is really powerful. But, you know, you can make that up by getting other cards to do similar things. Um, finally, control decks, I think, can be pretty cheap because you're just playing every counterspell that Magic's ever made. A lot of them aren't very
1: expensive, you know, that your crypto commands maybe do. I was thinking, like, the Mizzix deck is not super expensive.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's yeah.
1: maybe the single most powerful deck in the format. Um, maybe second or third, but it's definitely up there. If you wanted a really powerful deck that's not super expensive, you could build Mizzix, and there's a few cards. Snapcaster, Friends Prodigy, um, Past in Flames, yeah. a couple others. But, you know, all those X counterspells, those oh, yeah. are, like, seven cents, you know? Comment and Storm you've got 12 nothing. of those. Yeah. yeah. Earthquake's not expensive. Like, most of your cards, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't... Sure, don't put just Taxi and Probe in there, but Brainstorm's not expensive. Yeah, You know, you don't, I took Serum Visions out of my deck. That's, you know, that, that one's expensive because of Modern, but there's a whole bunch of decks where, if you just look at it, really, it's five cards making that deck expensive. Mm-hmm. And if you just took out those
2: five cards, it's not really gonna affect your play that much. Yeah, it's amazing how just a few cards can absurdly double the price of a deck, and it's hard to sort of see it on paper when you're playing the deck but if you look at it on like tapped out or whatever you can very clearly see like oh wow the majority of the cost of this deck is coming from like the this pool of cards here yeah it's like the deck says six hundred dollars but these five cards are four hundred dollars of it yeah you know that can that can happen all the time yeah the last sort of basic of building a budget deck is power level and this is sort of the the trickiest one to inherently do because power level is not inherently tied to the cards in edh but most often more expensive cards almost always equals higher power level unless it's like a very rare card like an alpha card that you just can't find anymore yeah i think yeah i think that's true or they combine effects Mm -hmm. so that like
1: like you said you can often replicate the effect of any card yeah but you just need two cards to do it or you know or there's a very often there's a
2: card that does the exact same thing or almost the exact same thing it's just more expensive mana wise or something like that yeah yeah Okay, so let's move on to choosing a commander. Uh, So for those of you that have already decided what commander you want to build for your budget deck, you can sort of ignore this section. For those of you that are like, hey, I want to build a deck, I want to build a budget, I don't know what commander I should go for, uh, your commander addresses each of these sort of building blocks we talked about. So the color, the colors that it is, the strategy of what you want to do with the deck, and sort of the power level of the commander. So if this is your first deck, again, don't go wild with it. Um, I remember my first deck was with uh, drown new lich lord it was like mm-hmm. this blue black weird sort of jace uh, snapcaster-esque ability on it that you could recur stuff from your graveyard but i just went ham on it i was like i'm gonna buy all this stuff i'm gonna do this this and this and i don't use probably 50 percent of those cards now because because
1: it was the skin for the character that you first played in the game
2: and we yeah. all know you will never play that
1: character again
2: yeah exactly yeah um
1: yeah. I, I think, like, I would definitely suggest mono color, or I, I would actually suggest two color.
2: Yeah, two color I think is the best.
1: Yeah, because it gives you uh, still a lot of cards in the card pool that are possible, a lot of interesting interactions. Mono decks can be a little bit weaker because each color has something that it's not good at doing. So, you know, if you just go mono red, you just can't beat enchantments. That kind of that can turn you off early in the format. Mm-hmm. But if you go red, you know, blue, now you have. A variety of ways to deal with different effects out there so that's what i would say is dual color if if you're starting a budget deck especially if you're new to the format if you're not new to the format though i think you could go three once you get into five color the mana base is just naturally going to be expensive unless you just go all trilands lands and guild gates and stuff which honestly it's not that bad i have a couple decks like that and are they as good as my best decks no but are they as bad as my Masorek deck?
2: <laughs> no. So. Yeah, the percentage difference in how bad it is just because you're running like slightly better worse lands is not that significant at the end of the day. Um, another thing to really keep in mind is that you can always expand your deck in the future. It's not like the cards that you buy now are the cards that are forever going to be in this deck, so you don't have to have this sort of like... It's, for instance, it's tough to do with a car, being like, I wanna mod out the engine, I A lot of do people this. do do that, though. They do, but it's, it's a lot of work, right? You yeah, gotta yeah. take it into a shop, you gotta do all that stuff. For a deck, you take a card out of a sleeve and you put a new one in. You know, that takes 10 seconds, if It's fun that. too, it's
1: fun to, it makes you re-energize to play of the deck. I just went through and retuned like a bunch of my decks mm-hmm. before we played the other night, and all of a sudden I was excited to play a couple of decks that I just really had kind of been, never took out and played anymore because I was kind of bored with them. Yeah. And just putting in like four cards all of a sudden, I was like, ooh, this could be cool. And mm-hmm. I played those decks again and had fun playing them where I was sort of down on them before. So this can even be, even if you're not budget. So it's naturally yeah. something that you want to do anyway. I like this this thought process, which is like, just because your deck is not like 100% tuned right now, that can be a really good thing. It gives you somewhere to go with it.
2: Yeah, and you can even change the commander too, right? You're not locked into a commander. You can add another color down the road by adding a commander that shares two of the original ones and now has a third, or you can just go full five color. Um, so yeah, you can change the focus, adding new cards. And so like, don't, Don't be so stressed out about the choices you make early in the budget build, being like, oh God, I was locked into this budget, so I had to do this, this, and this. It's like, well, it's a great starting off point. It's the same as sort of buying one of the commander pre-cons. And Mm -hmm. you know know you're gonna upgrade it. We have full episodes talking about how you can upgrade it. So that definitely helps out a lot there.
1: It is also really good, and it fits in with what we said earlier, which is like, if you build a controlled type of deck, Mm -hmm. then it's gonna be easier to change that commander because you're gonna be able to find that archetype. Yeah. Whereas if you build like an enchantment deck, well, (laughs) it's going to be harder because there's just less options for you. Yeah. You know, if you build a token deck, well, there's commanders in almost every color that or color pairing you can think of that could facilitate token decks. But yeah, if you build like something that's super graveyard focused, well, you're going to be stuck into certain colors, although that's pretty wide too. But just be. I would just say like certain types of archetypes are gonna make it easier for you to sort of expand it and not have what happened to Jimmy yep. and myself happen, which is like, man, I was really specific with my first deck and now like a bunch of the cards that I spent money on, they're o- they would only be good in that deck. And so, you know, I wish I would have spent it on stuff that's like more of a staple across the format and could go in more decks.
2: Yeah, and also a thing that I think people can easily get tricked by, and I've had people say this to me on Twitter, which is like, oh, my friend built this deck, so I don't want to do this. It's like, well, you still can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. No one's going to like give you a nasty glare. If you built a one-to-one copy of a deck, sure, but you could say like, hey, everyone in our play group has graveyard recursion in all of their decks, but that doesn't mean that they're each individually less unique or whatever as, as you know, a beautiful flower in the wild because they did something that's similar to other people. There's no shame in that because at the end of the day, the cards that you put in the deck are still your own individual expression in it and also how you play it.
1: I have this friend and whenever I go to dinner or lunch or anything with him, he'll never order what anybody else ordered. Oh. And I never tough. understood this because... Was he planning to share with other people? No, though? he's not eating anything anybody else ordered. So what does it matter what everybody else ordered? But he doesn't... There's something in his brain, like he wants to be unique and have his mm-hmm. own whatever. And that that's how I sort of look at this, which is like, we both have Mizzix decks. There's a couple of Animar decks. There's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of decks in our play group where more than one person have it. Or Even there's some decks that... Three people have a ver- their own version of that deck, and yeah. if that's what if if that commander or, or that type of deck makes you excited, you should just do it. You shouldn't worry about does somebody else have it or not. That has no, no bearing, really. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I was excited to build this deck, yeah. um, and that makes me excited to play. And Magic is about being having fun and being excited.
2: Yeah, my Drowning deck, by the way, is my marchesa deck that's what it turned into oh you
1: oh, nice. probably
2: about two of the cards from the original deck are in that i was gonna deck say
1: I, there's not a ton of overlap i it guess just there's a little good spells yeah
2: yeah uh, <laughs> well
1: you can use the mana base what was your first deck ever? uh was it chromat it was Nekusar. yeah i actually built Nekusar and then i expanded it into five color later but yeah i built like a bad Nekusar deck it had like a well i didn't know it had like assemble the legion and like you know no that that's got white in it so it's not that but
2: well you're five color (laughs) my first actually my
1: first five color build of Nekusar had assemble the legion but my first build of Nekusar had like a bunch of random like two drop creatures i didn't really know how commander worked at the time so well you wanted to curve out i guess (laughs) (laughs) now it's got like four creatures total
2: yeah (laughs) Um, one final thing to say here is that there are budget builds for every single commander. So for instance, Animar recently saw like a big price spike. He was not he was no longer a cheap-ish commander. Now he's actually, you know, cost a decent amount of money, but that doesn't mean that the Animar deck is expensive, just Animar is, because our friend Vinny has a Morph Animar deck and it's awesome and it's super sweet and playing with the morphs is great and it costs him very little to build the deck. A lot Calia is typically seen as also a very expensive deck because you're playing with like Avison and a uh, big demons and expensive cards like that. Um, but there have been so many angels, demons, and dragons printed over the years that you can still really have a fun time with a Kalia deck without having to be like, I have to buy the most expensive cards for this to be fun and make it great. It's like, no, just do something that you're going to enjoy. And those cards, too, like a card, for instance, like Bogart and Hellkite, when when it enters the battlefield, it deals five damage spread across creatures and players. That card is sweet. It's really good in Kalia. But it doesn't necessarily belong in every Kalia deck. But if you started with that card in Kalia, it doesn't mean that when you build it more powerful down the line that you might not get rid of it. And that card is so good, it's, it can go in a lot of decks. So it's not like it's just going to go to the trash bin somewhere. <laughs> the the Forgotten Locker <laughs> but don't, of Magic you, cards. I mean, don't, yeah, Forgotten Locker, okay. Don't throw them in the trash, guys. Yeah. Um, let's compare a couple of cards. We've been talking about a bunch of them, but not actually sort of looking at them. So a card like Riss, the Redeemed, this card is typically seen it's as... Expensive. It's expensive, uh not mana cost wise, and that's why it's expensive. It's a one drop, and you can tap it to put a one-one green and white elf warrior creature token to play, and you can pay even more to populate uh essentially oh, sorry. sorry, not populate. Put the token into play that's a copy of that creature. Um so for each creature token. So you so risk gets out of control fast. He's one of the best sort of token generators, but he costs. You a double lot of money. your tokens
1: every turn, right? So like if I have five tokens, you activate risk for six mana and now you have 10 tokens because you just doubled the amount. So yeah, risk, expensive,
2: but there's a cheaper alternative. Yeah, Trustani, Selesnya's voice. Green, green, white, white, 2-5. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life to that equal equal that creature's toughness, which is in itself pretty sweet. And then she can also populate that puts a token on the battlefield that's a copy of a creature token you control. So a lot of the cards in those two decks are going to be the exact same. And if you don't want to spend a bunch of money just on the commander itself, you can just play Tristani, and the power level will go down a little bit, but the deck will still essentially function the way that you intended it for it to, and it's still going to be a sweet deck.
1: Yeah, it seems like, oh, that's so much worse. And it is, except for that, also risks the ability to double the amount of tokens you have. That's costed more. It costs six mana, whereas Tristani, it's three mana to populate. So it, it does... I mean, listen, there's still a gap there, and Mm -hmm. Riss is probably stronger, but it's not as much as it first appears. Like, you know, Tristani's
2: not 10% as good. Maybe she's 70% as good. And a lot of times the 70% as good lets you play those cards without people immediately being like, oh, Riss is out, let's kill it. Oh, Riss is out, let's kill it. I mean,
1: Tristani's still a very good deck. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um... All right, well, now that you've figured out your commander, it's time to figure out what the focus of your deck is so you can budget appropriately. Um, focus and strategy is integral. You have to really figure out what you want to do with the deck. You know, if you're just going to be like, I want to build a good stuff deck, it's going to cost a lot of money because the good stuff cards, cards that are just always good no matter what, have been used across Magic's history and will eventually, will inevitably just cost more, almost guaranteed. Um, and then once you've figured out the strategy, go to edhrec.com. This, way, this website is so good. The, I mean,
1: yeah, EDHREC.com. If you're not using it and you play commander or build commander decks, then you're crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: super quality. You can see the cards that fit into your deck. You can also see the sort of lesser used cards and you can see the prices as well and you can figure out, oh, I want to use this. Oh, I don't want to afford this, so I'm going to use this instead, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, This is an exciting section. It's called Building the Skeleton. And this is something that uh, I'm going to create a deck list for. It's not going to be a full deck and you're going to see it Tapped out. But we always talk about every single deck needing the key elements of card draw, ramp, removal, mass removal, a good mana base, and all that. Um, and the skeleton of each deck is sort of like the immune system or whatever. It, it should be in every single deck, these elements. And for the most part, a lot of the cards are the same. So, uh, soul Ring. You're always going to have soul Ring. Command Tower. Always, almost always going to have um, Command Tower. A lot of decks will play a card like Evolving Wilds, yep. especially in the two-color decks. Uh, so stuff like that's going to be in every single card deck that is those colors. If you're white, you're playing a Wrath of God or something to that effect or path to exile. Each, each color has its Wraths that are played, right? There's the yeah. Blasphemous Axe and, and those type of effects, for sure. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times you can overlap these cards. A card that I always talk about is Hedron Archive. Uh, which is a mana rock from Battle and the card that you can tap for two mana, but you can also sack it at a certain point to draw two cards. So in that single card alone, you have card draw and ramp. So that is essentially a two for one. It does two things in the form of one card. And then if you do that, you can actually open up another slot in the deck to put something else sweet in there.
1: Yeah, I would say too, like if you are going to be investing in card, you know, a little bit more in any card, artifacts are that either mana ramp you mm-hmm. or draw cards are some of the best because they're gonna go into any color deck and you always need card draw and mana ramp. There's not a single deck that you're ever gonna build in commander that's not gonna want both of those things. So yeah. if you invest in, you know, a Thrawn Dynamo, not that it's super expensive, but it is a little it's more than 50 cents, mm-hmm. you know, at least you know that card can go in basically any deck and never be bad. Now, some decks it may be better. And maybe worse, but it can
2: always go in there because mana wraps is always going to be necessary. Yeah, and Wizards of the Coast has done us all a favor because they've been a, they've been pretty good <laughs> they've been pretty good at reprinting a lot of these um, cards that they want every EDH player to have. And it's great because that's sort of how they slowly put their influence in on the game. So cards like Soul Ring, Command Tower, Solemn Simulacrum, Eternal Witness, the Signets, Swiftfoot Boots these are all cards that Wizards has been very happy to print again and again in the commander products and it's awesome i can't say this enough like a card like solemn similar could be a card that costs more money than it needs to cost but it's a card that you literally like like josh said it's an artifact creature you can put in any single deck and it almost always is going to go in most decks because it's just it's got card draw and card ramp in it and it's great yeah that that card's amazing um
1: again artifacts are just gonna fit in more decks and if they do card draw and mana ramp for sure
2: yeah, uh, so take a look at your deck. You determine how many of these stables you need. I usually, we say like what, eight to 10 card draw spells, eight to nine ramp spells, sort of like anything around that area. Uh, each deck, of course, is going to be different. If you're a deck that needs a lot of mana, obviously you want more card ramp or mana ramp. If you if you don't draw many cards, you want more card draw. So um, the list that we're posting is going to have a very bare bones version of this and you can just take a look at it and it's a great place to just copy and paste and like that's how you can start a deck. You know that these cards are always going to be good and they're definitely going to help you flesh out your deck. And you can also spend a little less money on other cards because you know that these slots are taken up. Yeah. Um, you know, we
1: got asked on Twitter recently, like, do you guys have an episode where you talk about, like, what a basic uh, commander deck looks like? And I looked through our episode I was like, not really. Mm-hmm. But that's a good starting point, right? Ten man ramp spells, ten card draw spells, you know, four to five wraths and four to five spot removal, single target removal
2: type stuff. That's... yeah you know, again, those numbers are gonna fluctuate, but that's a great starting point. Yeah, and you also had a really good point about putting expensive cards into your sort of imaginary list first and then taking them out.
1: Oh yeah, so this is something I I thought about as a good, because there are analogs to a lot of cards that you wouldn't think, like Doubling Season's a card we talk a lot about on the show recently because of the Super Friends deck, Mm -hmm. and that's a really expensive card, and you may be thinking like, well, I don't have Doubling Season and I don't really wanna buy it, well, if you've got some planeswalkers and you want to play with them and you want a doubling season type effect, then there's a card called Gilder Baron, which has the untap ability and it doubles the amount of counters on one permanent. Um, so that is going to approximate what doubling season does. Again, it's 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 only in Simic. You have to be exactly in Simic. So, but there are effects if you look in Magic that will replicate most things. Some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there are a few things where it's just they only did that once.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times it replicates it by just costing two more mana than the original yeah. version did. So, like moat, you don't need to buy a moat; buy magus of the moat. You know, it's essentially the same thing, and it may not be as effective if someone like board wipes or kills it before you can use the ability. But like at the same time, it that's not you know, when you're saving $300 on a card, that's not, that one specific instance isn't why you're going to look back and go like, darn, wish I spent way more money for that card or whatever.
1: Yeah, there. so so like um, Snapcaster Mage mm-hmm. is another good one where it's like, I would add that to my list if I was building Mizzix and I would have, that's my dream list. And then I would go through and be like, wow, these cards at the top, you know, if I sort by price, the top 10 ones. Well, Snapcaster, mm-hmm. I can get rid of that and put in Archaeomancer." which is not as good. It returns an uh, or Sorcery from my graveyard to my hand, but it has a very similar effect and at a very, very small fraction of the price of Snapcaster Mage. Archaeomancer
2: and, s- and Vidalcan Orrery, you made your own Snapcaster, kind of. Yeah, kind of.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, again, yes, it's more mana intensive and it doesn't work perfectly, but you know, how much worse is your deck? If you have everything else is the same, your 99 has a Snapcaster, mine yeah. has the exact same thing but an Archaeomancer, how much better is your deck?
0: is it
1: 1% better?
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty minimal. It's like 1 to 3. Or I mean, something. how many games will that even matter? Like out of 100 games, will that matter 5 times? Yeah. You have to think about how many times you're drawing it, how many times you're going to have. You're going to have have it set up to really benefit you over a slightly slower play.
1: Yeah, it's it's very fractional how much that would be better, and it is better. That's un you know, you you can't really argue that Snapcaster mage is not better than Archaeomancer. Yeah. But at the same times because our decks have 99 cards, because that adds to a lot of variance in like what cards we draw in what order, the difference is very, very small, ultimately, I think. So yeah. that's what I would do is a good way, is like go through and, yeah, Doubling Season's on there or Snapcaster Mage is on there or whatever card is on there, and then I would go and be like, okay, so that means, that tells me this is the type of effect I want, but I'm not going to buy a Snapcaster Mage because it's really expensive. So what else in the history of magic does a similar effect you know i want snappy because i want to get an instant or sorcery
2: from my graveyard and use it again well there's a whole bunch of cards that do that yeah and even just googling snapcaster alternative edh yep those three were like you'll find the cards (laughs) they're all there people have already been looking for this stuff in the past and there'll be there's a ton of great resources online uh let's quickly touch on the land base for your decks just don't Don't think you need to get the untapped original duels. You don't need them. They cost a ton of money. Like, two-color or monocolor decks can save a lot by just avoiding shock lands and uh, filter lands and all that stuff. Um, If you build your deck correctly, so what sort of happens when you play an entrance of battlefield tapped land is that you take what feels like kind of a half a turn off because you're unable to play something that's as big as someone else that's playing a land every turn that's not tapped. However, if you build your deck with the right amount of ramp, with the right amount of card advantage, and you have those sort of two-for-one cards and your advantages in your deck, you're going to be able to make up that difference in a game. And again, like, the difference is so negligible because you're not playing one-on-one that the the impact of not being on-tempo or being tempoed out just feels way less because you have a lot more time and everyone's slowly developing at sort of a more similar rate.
1: I mean, I would say the same thing. We've got the same decks. In your deck, you have... You know, we're, we're both red green. Let's say mm-hmm. in your deck you have Taiga and Stomping Grounds. In my deck, I have the red green Guildgate and the red green uh, Lifeland. Yeah. Okay. How often? How much better is your deck?
2: This is even less than one percent. This is like yeah. 0. Because how 5. often?
1: How often are you going to be like, I play Taiga turn one. Yeah. I pl- I don't have a one drop, and I go Guildgate turn one. I don't have a one drop either. Nothing I could have played. So I yeah. Now now turn two we're even. The, mm-hmm. My card was the same as your card. Or turn six, you play a five drop. Yeah. And you have Taiga untapped, but no way to use it. I turn six, play my guild gate, play a five drop. Am I behind? No, because I w- couldn't use that one extra land that turn. You can usually find a spot with a lot of, you know, leeway where, oh yeah, I didn't even... I'm not a, even a turn behind. I just didn't use 100% of my mana that turn. And how often in a game of Magic do you not use 100% of your mana? Because you just don't, you know, you have nine lands, but you
2: don't have any spells that add up to nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And and like, when you're drawing a bunch of cards, you can just hold that tap land in your hand if you have to be able to play something that costs all your mana that turn.
1: And again, this is why this is better in decks with less colors, because you're gonna have more basics. So you can choose the spot to play that lifeland or that guild gate. Or, you know, one of these lands that comes into play tapped, or one of the have lands, or something that's just a little bit, there's a little more variance. Like a have land is gonna be as good as a taiga in a two color deck, like Mm -hmm. 80% of the time. And the other 20%, it's gonna be just as good because it won't matter if it comes into play tapped or not,
2: because it'll be turn one or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Don't, don't fret about the land base in a way that's like, if I don't have these things, then I'm not operating at maximum, whatever. It's like some people never buy a single dual land and they win games of Commander all the time. It does not have that major of an effect on it that you need to scale your wallet for it, I think in our
1: play group, is it just you and me that have dual lands?
2: I think, I think Craig has a couple. Uh, and then I know Kessler has a couple as well. But, but in terms of like in every single deck, it may just be the both of us. And I don't think it ever matters. no i don't think it does either
1: i've never had a game where i thought oh man the fact that i have dual lands in my deck is why i'm ahead this game and i don't think anybody else has ever (laughs) thought that either i mean they're playing with shock lands and they have fetch lands and they have also good lands but we have you know and not every one of my decks is all dual land out i have a few yeah um but those decks don't feel like they're good because
2: of that yep yeah um let's talk about purchasing power. So when you guys are buying your cards, also to help save on the budget to get back to the budget, combine shipping, friends. Don't, go and just buy from 80 different places and they all have the lowest price on the card but it's like this place charges 50 cents unless for orders under $25, this place charges a dollar. Just buy it all at Card Kingdom and then it's all one shipping cost. I mean that's where I was kinda going with it. (laughs) But no, honestly though, like you can also go to your LGS and pick up a lot of these cards as well uh, and oftentimes you can get the best deals on them because a lot of stores online have to satisfy, like if they're shipping the card out and they're spending more on shipping, it then like you're giving them money wise it's not a worthwhile endeavor for them to ship that card for you if you go to your lgs they're not paying any money to have someone grab it out of the- they're paying a person a wage to go do their job but it's not going to be like hey i pulled the card out of the bag can you give me another dollar it's like no i'm just going to pay you for the flat cost of the card so um doing that is also a great with the save a lot of money it's just making sure you're using the resources around you to min max serve your buying game Um, and the biggest thing is don't overbuy. Oh, man, I'm so bad at this. We are both awful at this. In fact, you've tweeted pictures of this. Oh, it's
1: so bad, It's documented
2: how bad it is for you.
1: Sometimes I'll be like, I'm building this deck, and I'll just start adding cards to the cart, and then they'll start start arriving in the mail, and I'll stack them all up, and I'll be like, I know that I'm building one deck, and yet I somehow ordered 300 cards. (laughs) A deck cannot have 300 (laughs) cards in it, and... For some stupid reason, that's how many cards I ordered. It also makes your life more miserable because now I have to figure out which sixty-three cards go in the deck. Whereas if I just spent that time online with all the tools available to do that, I a wouldn't have spent as much money, and b once the cards (laughs) get there, I can actually put into a deck and play it right away.
2: Oh, I feel so Uh, bad for you. Slash, I don't because uh, you're buying more cards, son. uh. I love when you tweet a picture of it because I'm like embarrassment of riches over here. <laughs> it's just like uh, I'm just so I'm so dumb. You know what you can do to avoid that? Be smarter. Go and tapped out and make yeah. a list of yeah. the cards that you want to do, or like use a Google spreadsheet and make a full list of the of the deck that you're going to build and stick to it. Now you're going to see new cards that you want to put in there, but instead of just adding it to be the hundred and first card, just take out another card that you think it can replace.
1: You're going to have to make that decision. Yeah. so make it at the time that doesn't cost you extra money I need to start taking my advice because I'm always like I don't know but I'm just going to order both because then I'll figure it out later and it's like (laughs) I'm not actually saving any time I'm just pushing that time till later when the cards are in front of me and I'm at a table going well I don't know which one do I put in there and then I but I spent I had to buy them
2: both to make that decision why that doesn't make any sense doesn't make much sense All right. let's talk about some other considerations here uh, before we wrap up the show Um, first up Build towards the future, future, future. Um, this is it like this be... is it like the movie Tomorrowland. Yeah. Oh gosh. I uh, worked on that. You worked mode. on that movie. Yeah. yeah. I did. Uh, so this may be your first deck, but don't if you don't plan on it being your last. Um, outside of the skeleton that you're building for your deck, just make sure that your card choices are good for the deck, but also potentially flexible. Sort of, you know, if you if you really want to work on budget. Like I said before, like a guild, like you said, a gilded lotus, Thran Dynamo. All of these cards work in any single deck, pretty much. You're gonna to want to put them in most every single deck. Um, Car- card draw and mana ramp on artifacts. Yeah. If
1: I was gonna spend, you know, a little extra on some cards in my deck, I would want it to be that. Yeah. More than doubling season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there are other cards that, for instance, in green, cross and Grip. It's not a card I play in all of my green decks, but a couple of them do have it. I only need to buy one or two in the beginning of my deck building phases. And that card will slowly filter its way into another deck when they decide to build it. And that's just one less card that you need to spend money on. One less card you need to pay for shipping for when you build that new deck. And so your budget is paying itself forward if you're able to do that. Shot Claim, it's just classic mana ramp. The signets, equipments like uh, Swiftfoot Boots, Whisper Silk Cloak. You're always going to have a deck that's going to want one of these. Um, and sort of the foolish thing to do is what Craig and I sometimes do, which is like, oh, I just need more Whisper Silk Cloak. I'm going to buy seven just buy seven it's like okay. no 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 you probably have enough lying around or you can take it out of another deck that doesn't need it as much as this one and maybe make that other deck even better do you know i ordered like 15 of every signet <laughs> see that is actually something i'm planning on doing because i have a lot I have more five color decks now because of you and those cards those decks really like signets
1: signets are awesome but i literally have like a box just full of them somewhere and can i get some yeah because i'm i didn't need 15 of everyone most i most of my decks already had them
2: yeah and they come in all the pre-cons and yeah It's true pure laziness um here's the thing like if you're gonna have a playable just like you're never gonna be upset no one's ever gonna give you a side eye if you play Drifter. yeah or beast within like no one's ever gonna be like Pfft that card's a low power level what's wrong with you it's like no that card's great it's gonna make it to another deck someday because the card's still great no matter what and it doesn't cost anything because it was a common back in the day yep i can't believe it was a common it's insanity i would have drafted a thousand of them i still would i mean i still draft yeah I, I, i mean i can never pass that card any chance you get yeah um Oh, another thing. So what determines card price? I call it the the danger zone, the three CMC danger zone. We
1: should have done this. Long <synchronizes>
2: <as> our... <laughs>
1: Metal under tension, taking you <laughs> to dodge and, touch and go, go. You know, I've my brother the literally.
2: DCMC oh yeah, we're totally on a tangent, zone. but I just
1: have to say, my brother literally, like to this day, he has mannerisms of Tom Cruise because we watched Top Gun so much. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, like we would he watch, he still has
2: it. Still he wanted to be a
1: pilot for like a lot of his early years in life from when he was like a, a you know a grade school kid, and he still laughs like Tom Cruise to this day. Oh, wow, okay, like just he idolized Maverick, not Tom Cruise so much, but like that's like actual Tom Cruise mannerism. You should watch
2: the latest uh short from Rocket Jump.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, there's <laughs> a little bit of uh, actually,
2: there's we the danger zone and Cop Gun is filtered into two of the shorts we've made this year now. At this also, point.
1: one of the some of the most disturbing imagery ever, yeah. It is a it's
2: a it's, it's a weird awesome. one. It's a, it's, awesome. it's a crazy one. It's um, called
1: um uh, wait, wait, I can do it. Speed, speed. enforced by radar. Aircraft. Aircraft. Yeah, oh, yeah. Speed Originally by called aircraft. Baby on board, which I really like <laughs>
2: too. That's a good hint right uh, there. Yeah. Go
1: check that out on Rocket Shop. Okay. Back um, to the three M three. Three CMC danger zone. Yeah.
2: So formats are the reason that cards are expensive. Again, for the most part, uh, cards again will be expensive because they're also in a from the vault or whatever. It's a one-time print of something. Um, but in general, EDH doesn't really cause card prices to spike Although, in the same way.
1: No, not in the same way. We're yeah. starting to. The format's gotten big enough that there are cards that are expensive because of EDH now, mm-hmm. but that's relatively recently. Most of the time, they're expensive
2: because of Standard, Modern, or Legacy mostly standard and modern and like you know if you get into the older cards you could argue that the dual lands cost a lot just because they're they're because of legacy yeah because you also can't find them anymore you know they're they're just old cards um So for Modern, the magic number is often three. So cards that cost three mana or less are inherently more powerful for a format like Modern because they need their cards to be cheap and efficient and be able to be played in a game where, you know, I think the ending point they want to say for for Modern is like turns four through six sort Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. uh, on average. Um, So cards that cost three CMC are obviously much more powerful in that regard. Um, EDH games run so much longer that we don't care about three CMC that much. It doesn't mean that we don't want to play three CMC cards, but... That's you know, our average number is closer to five, six, seven, and up. Um, and standards closer to four or five. Um so if you see like a card that you have to have for your deck, you think, but it's also a modern staple, just take a look and see if there's a version of it that costs more mana-wise, because there almost definitely is gonna be there's something like that. Like we already said Snapcaster Mage and Archaeomancer. They have similar effects. But Snapcaster, because it's played all throughout Modern, costs way more. If it was only an EDH card, it wouldn't be as expensive. If it costs as it four is. mana. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dark Confidant is another card that's seen a lot of modern play. Very expensive. It was one of the sort of the catch rare mythics from Modern Masters. Just play Phyrexian Arena, dude. Yeah, that true. card is just arguably like much better for EDH. It doesn't die to them. Oh, it's the 100% better actually because yeah. it
1: doesn't kill you either. It doesn't either. murder you, yeah, too.
2: Um, like a card like Abrupt Decay is really good, but I would say Pernicious Deed is better in almost every circumstance as well. So, Well,
1: per- again, Abrupt Decay suffers from the fact that like in our format, there's a lot more bigger things that Abrupt Decay can't hit. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, yeah. yeah. This is a really good point uh, I also think like if you if you're in a stream budget deck, you might just shove more mana rocks in there and then use the higher casting cost stuff. Yeah, because that'll sort of even out right on turn two and three where the more expensive cards are. You play rocks mm-hmm. so that you can play. You know, you have a good one here, Zendikar Resurgent, rather than Marari's Wake.
2: Same card was going to cost seven mana. The like cost yeah. five.
1: But if you just instead of having like two drops and three drops that are you know spendy cards to spend your money on, you just play Mana Rocks that are sort of cheap. It'll get you to that seven mana faster, so that you can cast it, and then it'll basically be once it's out, they're basically the same. It's just yeah. like
2: you know getting it out a turn or two early is why it costs a lot of money. Yeah, and maybe the biggest takeaway from today's episode: do not buy standard staples for your EDH deck. Standard yeah. is like the biggest pitfall you can fall into. Um, now, if you're a limited player and you draft a bunch, great, maybe you opened up a really expensive Avicen or whatever, but that card is only expensive because of standard, and standard is by far the most popular format. It drives the prices the highest, and especially for cards that power, like their power level just isn't that high, ultimately, in the history of Magic, and also for EDH as well. Now, occasionally you'll run into cards like um captain eldrazi flicker captain eldrazi oh eldrazi displacer eldrazi displacer right that i didn't
1: know that was his name
2: (laughs) (laughs) i had to think of it because i didn't didn't remember his name but like that card is gonna be good eventually and it saw a big spike in standard because it saw play and then it dipped back down to more where it should be sort of yeah when you say don't
1: buy standard staples i i think we're not really saying don't ever do it just don't do it when it's at their height yeah you know if you want to save money and i've said this many times on the show you can substitute time for money and your time can be used just paying attention to the price fluctuations and just watching when yeah. it starts to go down or paying attention to what decks are, you know, popular and winning pro tours and GPs, uh, you know, standard ones and so you know like oh these cards are really popular right now and in demand so I'm not going to invest in that card right now but this other card has fallen out of favor and dropped a lot and now is the time I can pick it up. And of course there's always rotation so we know if you're not aware standard is on an 18-month rotation cycle. Mm-hmm. So after 18 months, the, the set will fall off. So Kaladesh is going to come out uh, this fall. 18 months from then, Kaladesh won't be legal and standard anymore, which means you know at, at that point, exactly when it falls off rotation, when the new set comes in that kicks it off, those cards are going to just drop. Yeah. precipitously in price.
2: And the, and that's the same pattern that has yeah. always been for standard. Um, the card enters standard, it shoots up in price, it doesn't see play, it goes down, it sees more play, it stays at that price. When the card rotates out and people stop playing that deck, they have no reason to buy it anymore. Everyone is out there trying to sell it as fast as they can because they know that they don't have any more need for it. But as commander players, this is where you go in and it's the garage sale. This is like the perfect chance for you to like, sweet, here are the cards I can buy because of my budget. And I know that this is the best time to buy them. Like, and let's say you didn't have it for six months or whatever because it was still in standard, you're not gonna really miss it for that six months as opposed to the 30, 20, 30 extra dollars that it cost you. Like, you could much rather spend those cards on 10 other good cards that instead. just
1: rotated out, you know, yeah. if you just fall into that pattern. And honestly, like, I just went through just this last weekend to tune decks and I still hadn't added in a whole bunch of cards from like, uh, uh Battle for Zendikar. Mm-hmm. Like I just took my rune deck and added in the Displacer. the diamond mana symbol. Oh, enough oh, yeah. of it so I could put Displacer in there. That's how long ago? That was like a year ago that card came out. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: you know, and I just got around to doing that, and my deck was still playable and very very good. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, and I upgraded. Displacer makes it better, but it doesn't make it so much better that I needed to do it like in an instant, and I didn't yeah. do that, obviously, because of budget concerns, but you could, and you probably wouldn't even feel it.
2: Yeah, and, like, again, these are just one, it's one card out of 99, so let's say you have $100 to spend on the deck. Each card, on average, is going to be a dollar. If it's spent, if you spend $20 on a single card, is that card being 20 bucks it's 20 times the amount of another card that on average of $1. Does, is it 20 times the power level? Is it make that amount of difference? If you had waited seven months and now it's $5, you can make a much better case for it having that 5X multiplier in terms of how much impact it has, but not 20 and it's because of Standard. It's not because every EDH deck is like, man, if you don't have this card for this commander, then you're just done. It's like, no. In in Standard, if you don't have four Archangel Avacyn in this deck, you're just going to not have a good time. Like, it's not gonna be the best build. So that's why the card's expensive because the card in that format, in that deck, has that level of power difference, but not for EDH. So would you rather yeah, spend pay- 20 bucks on one card or five cards for like four bucks? Oh, yeah. Five cards for $4
1: every time. Because yeah. just the number of... Games that I'm going to draw one of five cards is so much higher than the number of time number of games where I'm going to draw the one card that I spent a bunch of money on. Yeah, um, yeah. Pay attention to standard. What's what's hot. What's winning. Um, what's not. What's out of favor. When rotation is. That's a really good way to just maximize your dollars spent and your trading capability if you're trading with people too. So, oh yeah, that's you a know, great you could, point. You can even have an Archangel Avison and want it in your deck, but it's still often correct to trade it right now to get it back later after it rotates because yeah. right now I can get $30 worth of card for it and I can trade it for something that's popular and modern and is never really going to go down in price. And then once rotation hits, I can trade back into my Avisen that I did want for my deck, but now you know I got $30 for it and then later I picked one up for $6. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, trade up. And we have a whole episode about this as well. I wanted to talk about uh, our buddy, Phil DeLuca, who is one of the hosts of the Commanderin podcast. If you haven't listened to Commanderin, very good show. Also about EDH, uh, Sean and Nate, mm-hmm. also the other hosts. Um, so Phil has this really cool strategy that can also be something you can use to keep your, all your decks budget. And what Phil does is the first step, I believe, is sleeve all your, all your decks in the same type of sleeves. So once you've done this, he creates what he calls, I think he calls it the EDH binder. This is the binder system or the binder strategy. Um, And I don't know if Phil made it up, but he's the one that popularized it to me anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to give him credit, but maybe Phil would give somebody else credit. I'm not sure. But what you do is you have a whole bunch of cards that are expensive, but they're staple type cards. And so because all your decks are in the same sleeves, you can have certain cards that hop between decks so you never need to own more than one copy of anything. So let's say you have a Sensei's Divining Top. Sensei's Divining Top is one of those staples. You could literally put it in every single EDH deck and you would be right to do it 99% of the time. So if you have you know, five or six decks or 20, you don't wanna buy 20 Sensei's Divining Tops. That's just not a very efficient use of your money because you can never play more than one at a time any given moment you're playing one of your decks and you can have one sensei's divining top in play mm-hmm. so what phil does is he keeps the divining top in a binder and then all his decks are sitting there and they're 80 percent, 85 percent built and he has a little list that says when i pull this deck out i just have to go into the binder and I have to pull out these seven eight ten cards mm-hmm. top you know whatever else this one needs doubling season and you know some other i don't know sylvan
2: library whatever.
1: yeah and then at the end, when I'm done playing that game, I just take those out and put them back in the binder. And then I grab this other deck. And this one needs top two. But it also needs, you know, omniscience. Mm-hmm. And it needs blah, blah, blah. And so this is a way to save money. You get to have some of the expensive cards. But because you're not buying six copies of, you know, Sensei's Divining Top, you can save a lot of money that way.
2: Yeah. Our friend Vinny has a similar thing where he does uh, checklist cards. So you've seen these with, like, uh, if you played Innistrad. This is super smart. Yeah, it's a card that will say, you know, because those cards are double-faced, if you're playing without sleeves, you need to be able to mark it off so you can bring in the double-faced card later. For Vinny, these are cards that just say, Mirari's Wake on it, Sylvan Library. And when he plays it, he plays the card out of his deck, and he just has the card in sort of a deck box or somewhere that, that all the cards are there, just like Phil's binder. He pulls it out, and that is the literal copy of the card. And if anyone ever gives you crap about doing that, you own the card. You own the card. You did it. If you, I mean, like, you could prove a point point, be like, sure, I will put it in the deck. And then when I go play this other deck, I will go to the other one, take it out and put it in the sleeve. Do you want to really wait for me to do that every time? Because yeah, I do I'm own actually, the card.
1: I'm actually doing you a favor by not making you wait while I like rebuild my deck. Yeah. On so, the fly, I actually like Vinny's take on it a li- even a little bit better. And Phil's is great, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his actually speeds up so that in between games, nobody's waiting for him. It's just like at the time he actually draws and plays the card, then he has to go get it. Yeah. But again, you do own the card. And nobody should be able to tell you, like, well, you have to own four copies of that card. I'm sorry. And I don't think
2: everyone, anyone should or ever will. I hope not. because nah, Nobody just, will say anything. I can't, yeah. I can't. This is a friendly, casual yeah. format, guys. Yeah. Um, another thing that has helped me throughout the years is learning that I'm not limited to my own deck. Uh, and that EDH is great because we get to play with everyone else's cards by playing cards like Phyrexian Metamorph. Mimic Vat. <laughs> Yeah, Demir Doppelganger, Clones, uh, and all of these cards I love because it's like, hey, check it out. I'm gonna use your deck to my advantage and your expensive card is now my expensive card. Oh man, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Get that paper out here. So um, I love that.
1: This is a Jason Alt thing also, right? He talks mm-hmm. about it in 75% a lot, which is like your deck can never be accused of being too powerful if it's literally using the things from your opponent's deck. Yeah. Because I'm just as powerful as your deck. If you don't play Blightsteel Colossus, I can never have one. Because that's I'm playing day. because I can play clones and stuff. I mean, that's that philosophy. Yeah, it's really good. Because a clone is a very cheap card. Mm-hmm. But it can be as good as the best creature on the battlefield. It can be Avisen, you know, it can be a $30 card.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean
1: the original Avacyn. Also the new one's $30 bucks too, huh? Crap Man, it's a little less now. Man, Avacyn's expensive. Um, the magic uh the M fifteen one's not that expensive. No.
2: At, like at, is it just Avison guardian of something avacyn that one got ripped off whatever it is yeah um so my favorite last thing to do is speculate uh you know you could be building a fun deck and i don't see know if this is gonna
1: save people money over no, time no but like let's say it's fun
2: yeah it's fun right let's like oh this card why is this card only five cents like why don't we try it out on my deck because i think it's really cool turns out that card ends up being like five dollars down the road or whatever like that's that's a really good feeling knowing that because you went in budget you were able to find a card that someone else didn't know about or the community didn't know about and as a result it went up in price constant mists constant mists yeah this is one of those cards
1: i have like 30 copies of because it's like one of my favorite cards and at some point i was like this card's really good it can't stay this price forever. I'm just gonna buy a lot now so that like I never have to worry about yeah. It. And it's it's gone up to a couple bucks. It used to be like a quarter. Yeah, you also have Winding Canyons as oh, well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these are the
2: cards that are Winding Canyons is uh, reserve list. I Ooh, think really so that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Oh, even better. And John Avon drew the art of uh, the art for it. So hang.
1: I think it's reserve list. Oh crap! I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah,
2: if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, everybody. But I yeah. think it is. All right, so. That's it for our talk on budget builds. Oh wait, I want to talk about speculating that more, is a little not bit more on talking about budget builds. Be careful, they could cost you money. Well, don't speculate like Josh says, where you buy 80 copies of it. Just or 300. buy 300. You know, 300. Well, no, that's
1: what I—that's what I take speculating to mean. That's what you meant, like oh oh yeah, buying yeah. extra copies for
2: you know possible future value. I'm just saying, speculating like if you're trying to have fun with the deck and want to surprise your opponents with an off the sort of beaten path card like yeah one slot in your deck could totally be like a sweet like who knows like this is kind of cool like i hope this works it's not like speculate
1: financially like make a speculative investment it's more like speculate creatively
2: on a card that may or may not got it got it i was confused yeah that so that's that's my verdict on what it means to speculate gotcha my supreme
1: do the jimmy's version not my supreme verdict my version keeps you with yeah 400 supreme (laughs) verdicts that haven't gone up in price
2: i think they went up a little bit yeah, it's not much. Well when you buy that many, like a cent difference is like all right, four bucks. You know
1: you know why I did that? Because I went on Brainstorm Brewery the first time no, the second time I was on there and they were talking about specs and stuff and Those I boys got are trouble. I got all excited, like, yeah, fine MTG finance, speculate it, I'm gonna try that. And I was like, I gotta I'm smart, I know about magic. And I was like, I'm gonna buy out a bunch of Supreme Verdicts.
2: Boy, oh boy, don't I've been sitting me. on those things for like a couple of years. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, don't ask me how many expedition tectonic edges I have. All right. Oh, yeah. So that will that. do that, it. That could still pay off. That yeah, could still, still pay off. They're expeditions, hey. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for our episode on budget builds. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, the Internet is your number one resource. We're on the Internet. So is everything. So just like Googling the words, card name, budget replacement, will get you all the relevant results you want for Magic the Gathering. Um, It's a great way to begin your journey and to end it. Um, So if you're still new to deck building, we actually have done a lot of episodes on uh, sort of how to create decks, deck techs and stuff. So episodes 103. Episodes 100, where we live build a deck. Actually, maybe not. Watch that one. Uh, episode 96 and episode 50 are all sort of good starting off points. If yeah, the Deck Doctor deck
1: series and the uh, Archetype series, also good. Um, yeah. You know, also, well, we're just plugging all the other casts today. Heck yeah. Um, there is a cast by our good friend Andy Hull, who's been on our show a couple of times. It's called Commander's Brew. Really? And that is an EDH podcast that's dedicated to budget builds they set themselves a budget and they each build a version of the deck every episode, every week. Yep. So you can see those guys have... They're actually like gurus in the in the EDH budget realm because they have a whole bunch of sort of their favorite go-to cards that are the equivalent of Jimmy... You know, Jimmy and I talk about a lot of the same cards all the time, like uh, Ristic Study. Well, they have their cheaper versions that do the same things because they're building decks all the time and they know they need the same categories that we need they need card drawn man ramp mm-hmm. but they've found the cards that fit into the lower budget range that get the job done so it's andy Hull and sean tabaris yep. and we've both been have we been on their show i don't think i've been on their show have you been on the show i don't know they haven't invited me yet actually they invited me i'm sure they have <laughs> please it, tell me they invited, they invited me. me and then oh this is what happened i couldn't like the dates didn't work out and it didn't it didn't <gasps> you didn't, didn't
2: budget enough, budge enough not to have time for it did you yeah we've had andy on our show twice we haven't been on his show even once you missed my pun dang oh sorry it it's wasn't. okay maybe next i said you didn't budget enough time for it oh the listeners got it that was a speculative joke oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right to the listeners um how do you guys save money when you're building decks what has been your single best purchase ever i love that like hey i got this before it jumped up in price and you know it feels great man or i got this before it, you know when it went down and what's then it went what's up. what's yours uh uh ten dollars at goodwill Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I can't beat that. I know no, that story. I don't think it's ever going to get beat. <laughs> no, um, it's impossible. Once again, our podcast is sponsored by the one, the only theonlycardkingdom.com, an amazing website uh, both for your buying needs and for your visiting needs. I castle card kingdom these stickers say i heart card kingdom um so make sure you guys check it out command uh if you guys want to use our affiliate link you can go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and they'll know that you came there from us (laughs) um and they've got great prices they've got amazing shipping i just got i just bought a bunch of cards off of them today i got uh, some of the urza lands because i was trying to uh, get a full set of those i was speculating you building tron yeah tron i want to build Popper tron uh, so yeah, so make sure you guys check that out. Again, it's cardkingdom.com slash command zone. I love Card Kingdom. And they're also revamping their website soon, so I can't wait to see what uh, what all the cool changes are going to be. Don't forget to use the affiliate link. It is the best way you can support our podcast. You can use it all the way up until you check out. You can add all the stuff to your cart. And if you haven't used the affiliate link, don't worry. Just add it in, type it in, and then log in, and then you're there. You know They know that you're there, and that the, the purchase you make in your cart tells them everything they need to know. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Uh, very exciting. Rocket Jump just wrapped up production on Dimension 404. This is a show that's going to be coming out, I hope, later this year. It's a six-episode anth- anthology series uh, similar to The Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, which is a show uh, from the BBC. But it's geared towards gamers. Yeah, geared towards gamers and geeks uh, and and a little more lighthearted. Um, it sort of takes the idea of like the 404 website that you that you get when you don't when you're wandering off into the weird part of the internet and these stories are all kind of like creepy and weird and crazy and a lot of fun so
1: i mean this show it's gonna be on hulu is that correct
2: yes it will be on hulu it's gonna be out
1: on hulu it's legit legit budgets like yeah real budgets real actors um
2: this was really exciting yeah like Patton oswald is in it and, and jimmy michelle wong <laughs> yeah leah michelle from glee is in it like sarah Hyland from modern family uh joel McHale from uh, uh community yeah it's i mean they got real names real budgets
1: i think their budget was like the same as like supernatural or you oh, know, really? some of those shows i mean sick yeah close to that so this stuff looks amazing i've seen little bits and pieces i'm sure you've seen more than mm-hmm. me uh we're always happy that Rocket Jump is just doing bigger and better things constantly. So And look, we have a video podcast. We're doing bigger and better things too, right? Yeah, our budget is almost the
2: same as we're going to have Pat Oswalt on here pretty soon. You guys don't see what happens after the podcast. We turn all the stuff off, Josh puts all the product back in his boxes, puts it into his car, I go to my computer and I like render it all out and I send it to our editor and I go to sleep like two hours later (laughs) glamorous lifestyle everybody glamorous yeah
1: glamorous lifestyle speaking of glamorous people ben bateman always dressed to the nines and alice kessler rarely dressed to the nines (laughs) uh are the (laughs) sorry Ox. it's so
2: true you can't deny it he's not gonna say no to that
1: he's a man of truth they are the uh hosts of our sister podcast the masters of modern they talk about modern, all things competitive magic. You can follow them on Twitter, at the MMCast. You can also find them uh, on rocketjump.com right, right next to us under the podcast tab. We were just hanging out with those guys last night. To doing, the a little, yeah, doing a little bit of drafting, doing a little bit of EDH. Kessler's a big EDH player,
2: oh, and yeah. not so much. Uh, fun times like those guys love those guys um, our editor for the show is terry robertson he does the video and audio podcast so you guys can see full video including our glamorous faces as well as card images and lots of other fun stuff by going to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast and they also feature these really sweet opening animations by jeffrey palmer he does living card animations so you can see all his works uh, by going to twitter.com slash living cards mtg and that about wraps it up for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com.